Welcome to Unveiled Faces, a Redeemer Presbyterian Church podcast. Please enjoy our future presentation. I count it a great privilege and honor to be here with you this morning. Uh, certainly keeping your pastor in prayer. Hope that uh, he recovers well. And uh, today uh, we're going to be preaching the Word of God from uh, Luke 22, beginning in verse 24 through 34. Let us now hear the Word of the Lord. And there was also strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as your younger. He that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you, as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou hast thrice denied that thou knowest me. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you this day that we are able to come together. We pray that we would come with joyful hearts, singing with joy in our hearts. And we pray, our Heavenly Father, that you would receive of the sacrifice of our praises as we continue now, as we have sung to you, as we have heard the scriptures of your word. And now, Father, we come to the time in which we look at the Holy Scriptures and we pray that you will open up our minds. I pray that everything that is said would be accurate, would be according to the Word of God. And, Lord, that it would also have the power and unction of the Holy Spirit behind each word. We pray, Father, that we, this day, will be lifted up in our faith, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message is overcoming temptation. Before we get into the actual verses, which largely contains verses 31 through 34, 
I would like for us to look at the context. It's really important for us to put Scripture in its context, particularly in this message. Overcoming temptation. Every one of us, every day, uh, will be faced with temptations. And we're going to get into what is a temptation is, say, compared to a trial. And there is a difference. But in the context, we will note in verses 1 and 2, the chief priests and scribes, by the way, this is just shortly before the Lord Jesus Christ was taken and crucified. And so we see in verses 1 and 2, the chief priests and the scribes, they sought how they might kill our Lord Jesus. And then verses 3 through 6, we have Judas at the instigation of the devil, betraying our Lord. And then Jesus institutes and eats the Lord's Supper with his disciples. Verses 21 through 23, Jesus reveals that one of his disciples is a traitor. Verses 24 through 30, the disciples disputed amongst themselves of all things. They disputed amongst themselves of them which would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus, thereafter our Lord Jesus Christ, to put him to death, the disciples in their flesh are arguing about which one of them should be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And then in our text for the message today, we see Jesus then warns Peter that Satan desires to have you. Now, in order that Jesus' disciples may overcome Satan's temptations, we note that Jesus, in this setting, in this context, they are coming after Jesus to arrest him, to put him to death. And temptation is on its way to all the apostles, particularly Peter, as Jesus alerted Peter. And also Judas. But Judas fell and uh, betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to look in this context, in this chapter, just looking at it, the bigger picture, looking on in verses 40 and 46. The warning here to the disciples is Satan is coming after you, basically. He not only desired, desired to have Peter, but he had Judas. And now all of them are at risk. Look, if you will, about their coming into temptation. Keep in mind, as I said, I don't believe there's a one of us here that today or tomorrow or the next day will be free of temptation. Satan is going about as a roaring lion. This is what Peter said. This is what he wrote after he had this egregious fall in betraying, uh, in denying that he knew the Lord Jesus. But look at verse 40. We see our Lord Jesus Christ is alerting them that there is coming their way temptations. Verse 40, he says, And when he, Jesus, was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Then again, verse 46, Jesus says to his disciples, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And so I would like for us to focus on that word temptation just for a moment. 
And I asked the question, what is, what is a temptation? How does that differ from a trial? How does then temptation compare to a trial? J.D. Pentecost has correctly defined temptation as the work of the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh to seduce us to do evil. It is a solicitation to sin. So then temptation stands distinguished from a trial in this way. A trial is a test and seeks to discover a man's righteous character. But a temptation persuades us to do evil and deludes us that we may be ruined. The trial means to undeceive. The temptation is tended, intended to deceive. The one aims at man's good, the trial, making him conscious of his true moral character or lack thereof. But the other aims at, that is temptation, at man's evil sin and propensity to commit wickedness. And so then God tests us to build us up. Satan lures us to sin that he may destroy us. Now look, if you will, at the first verse of our text, uh, verse 31. Our Lord Jesus Christ turns to our, the Apostle Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, whenever there's a doubling of something, it's uh, for emphasis. Often Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly. Uh, and by the way, that verily, verily is, has the force of, a, of an oath. Uh, it's a very powerful word, but it's duplicated to show what Jesus' teaching is so. No matter what they may think or what other people are teaching around them, what he's telling them is the truth. He says, verily, verily. So now Peter is headed into a huge temptation. And uh, he says, Satan desires you. That he may sift you as wheat. Satan, in the temptation, designed the fall, the destruction of Peter. Satan's intent in a temptation, specifically with Peter, was to blow away Peter from his, like talking of a winnowing, of blowing away the chaff, and sifting the wheat. Satan puts us through that, as he is about to do with Peter. His intent is to winnow the wheat, to rid the grain of the chaff. That is God's intent, is to take out the chaff. Satan's intent is to destroy. So Satan desires to tempt Christ's disciples, all of them really, uh, to sin by bringing them into disobedience and to their own destruction. I like, uh, in explaining this about uh, temptation and trials, I like Matthew Poole. Uh, he's a great commentator. 
Uh, he had some good things to say, and I'd just like to have you hear then what he has to say then about the devil tempting us and are being tested for good reasons to let us know uh, wherein we need to correct things in our own life. The devil had a mind to disturb the disciples all by his temptations. There is here called, that is here called sifting. Christ hath his fan in his hand and will sift his church, but his sifting is to purge the floor, to blow away the chaff and to harvest the grain. He sifts a particular soul to purify it from its lusts and corruptions. But Satan sifts the soul and the church merely to give them trouble. And to keep them from rest and quiet by continual motion and agitation. That's Satan's intent in his temptations. Thus we are all concerned to take notice of that we may both be continually prepared for the time of our siftings. And bless God who doth not satisfy Satan's desires to sift his disciples for he hath the same mind to winnow us now that he had to sift Peter and the rest of his disciples. <coughs> I go back to what I said earlier. Satan is in the lurch. He's looking for those moments when he can throw out a temptation and cause our destruction. Oftentimes, he comes at a, an unwitting moment. A good example, was scriptural example, would be David. Everybody else was out fighting a war. What was David doing? He was just around the house, just you know, not doing much at all. His mind was not engaged in the business when others were out fighting. And we know the result of that was the temptation that came upon him. And so then let us give thanks to the Lord uh, for our deliverances as Christ here delivers Peter, even though he falls, yet he is delivered and forgiven later by his repenting. But we give thanks to God in this matter of temptations that he delivers us. He delivers us, and that's the thing that we're focusing on in this message, is overcoming temptations. Yes, temptations come. And I'll just say this, uh, perhaps to just kind of, as a, just a preview about what we're getting into, overcoming temptation requires that we be much in prayer. Isn't it part of the Lord's Prayer? And lead us not into temptation. By your providences, lead me not into temptation. And twice he told his disciples who were the objects of temptation of Satan's temptations to sin, he alerted them twice in verse 40 and 46 that they are also being a target of Satan's uh, temptations. But we, and I want to start out with this and end with this, the good note is as Christians, we overcome through Christ, through his word, through prayer, uh, through the means of grace. And so, 
temptations, remember where they come from. You need to know your enemy. Uh, certainly we know here it's the devil, and Satan does tempt each one of us individually. Some people say, well, you know, Satan's not omnipresent. He can't be every place at once. How could he tempt all of us? And uh, the answer to that question is true. He is not, omnis- he is not omnipresent. But he does his work to each one of us, everyone on this planet. And uh, even those that are unbelieving, they are tempted into sins and they fall because they have no power in, in their natural self. In fact, they are complicit with their sinful temptations. But we know that temptations come from the devil. And also, our own sinful nature can be complicit with it as well, and the world about us. And so our deliverance is in Christ. And this is what I want to put up right up front here. Our, we have means of deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ, who by his precious blood has redeemed and purchased us body and soul from sin and from all the power of the devil to be his own. And so, beloved of God, through faith in the crucified Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Satan, the great tempter and adversary of our soul, is restrained so that he cannot do to us as he will. In fact, the Apostle John, in 1 John 3, 8, says, For this purpose, (coughs) the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The work of the devil is to tempt us and to destroy us. The power and the dominion of Satan to destroy is by Jesus overcome and restrained. Jesus overcomes and restrains our adversary, the devil. Particularly in regards to our eternal salvation. He cannot overthrow our salvation. He may put us through all kinds of wicked temptations, but he cannot conquer us. We are Christ's. John 10, 28 says that we shall never perish. Neither, Jesus said, shall any man pluck them, that is my elect, out of my hand. Now, although we may not be taken uh, from our Father's hand, but not even the great adversary Satan, yet our daily uh, enemies and deadly enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, assail us. This is from the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, Assail us without ceasing with afflictions, with temptations, and grievous trials with the intent of destroying our soul. So that is why we ought to pray, as I said each day, Lord, lead us not into temptation. That is, be pleased, Lord, to preserve and to strengthen us by thy power, by thy Holy Spirit, that we may make firm stand against our enemies and not be overcome in the spiritual warfare until finally complete victory is ours. Let us never forget our adversary desired the fall of Jesus the Son of God, and tempted him in the wilderness. The power of Satan used to tempt our Savior to fall is the same power 
that he exercises against you and me. But he cannot overcome us because Christ is in us. Again, I reiterate these very important words of the Apostle Peter. In putting up our defense, we must follow the words of Peter when he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, although Satan's power to condemn and to make us to fall is restrained by the power of God, God will sometimes give Satan to test us. He will allow Satan to test us. A good example of that was the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, if he would test the apostles, he certainly will also test us, or he will tempt us to sin. Paul says of his temptations of the devil, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And so God permitted Satan to test the Apostle Paul's faith, no doubt to keep him from pride. We don't know uh, God's reasons for what he does and the providences that he brings into our life. One thing we do know, that all his providences are for our good. And we also know that all that Satan tries to do to us is for our undoing and our destruction. We often uh, are blessed when we hear of some of the great saints of the past and how they've endured temptations. Martin Luther, it is said, on one occasion, uh, sensed the presence of the devil and picked up his inkwell and threw it at the door. You may have heard that story. Uh, he did wrestle with the devil. I mean, um, in many ways, and if you... Uh, if you read through the book, of, uh, the book of Galatians, his commentary on the book of Galatians, yeah, I like it. He's like a boxer. He's, he does, does the one-two with, with uh, Satan with one arm and, uh, well, better use the right arm for the devil. <laughs> the right arm for the devil and the left hand for the Pope, and especially in the book of Galatians. Uh, he's really duking it out. I mean, it's just when I'm reading it, it's like this is a boxing match. And so uh, he says, just to give you some idea about how the reality that he was, like, we have no idea what these guys, we, we look at, you know, their successes and the contributions that they made to the church, which was great. But they went through some very dark times. Martin Luther said in the book of Galatians, he said, so great is the malice of this sorcerer, the devil, and his desire to hurt that as touching myself to say the truth. He sometimes assaileth me so mightily and oppresseth me with such heavy cogitation that he utterly shadoweth my Savior Christ from me. And so we see here Satan is at work. We see that he is at work with Judas. In verses 3 and 4, the scripture says, 
uh, as they were gathered there in that upper room where they celebrated the first Lord's Supper. It says, Then answered Satan, entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how they might betray him unto them. And so, beloved of God, we will not escape it as the believers in Jesus Christ and Christ uh, our, in our service for Christ in our life, we are going to be approached by the adversary of the devil. And so note in verse 32, we need to turn to Christ's intercession. We look to him for our justification, for sanctification, for eternal life. We must look to him in the time of our temptations of Satan. Verse 32, though it is through Christ's intercession that Peter is delivered from Satan's power to overthrow his faith. Now, the nature of Peter's temptation is is very egregious. Our Lord said to Peter in verse 34, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou hast thrice denied that thou knowest me. Peter not only would deny Christ once, but he denied Christ three times. That was the temptation that Satan would bring upon him. Note in verse 32, Jesus said to Peter, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You know, we have those armor, pieces of armor that God has given us to defend ourselves. And of all of the six, it says, Above all, take the shield of faith, whereby you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. That would have to do with thoughts that may be injected into our heart about such things as denying Christ or, or blasphemy against Christ. And if we turn to the armor of God and call upon God to exercise that upon us and take these things away from us, you will find God will give you the answer. You are to exercise that armor. I was going to get into a little bit more about the armor. It does tie in with what we're talking about, but I, I think it would be a lot longer here than you probably want me to be speaking. But uh, we do need to put it to practice. In fact, maybe we could just test ourselves. When was the last time I really conscientiously had in a time of temptation of Satan? Have I actually exercised the shield of faith? And was able to quench the fiery darts of the devil. That is those blasphemous thoughts that might uh, be shot into your, your mind. What about the, the helmet of salvation? How many times have you thought about that? The hope of your salvation. In times of temptation, how many times have you thought about the breastplate of righteousness? Are you righteous because you know that you went through all the right proper steps to get converted? But do you own, in your heart, do you own the imputed righteousness of Christ? Because when we get to heaven, that's the only thing that will stand. 
Or Satan may come to you and make you doubt your faith. That's when you need to go to the breastplate. That's the imputed righteousness of Christ. You're girt with truth. Your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. I used to wonder what that meant. Have your feet shod with preparation. To have your feet shod means to be ready for action. And what it's talking about is proclaiming the gospel of peace. To make sinners have peace with God through the gospel. To have family members have peace with each other through being reconciled through Christ. Or the sword of the Spirit. How often has someone said something to you and you respond like Christ? But it is written. Three times Jesus was tempted by Satan. And three times he said, it is written. And Satan didn't bother him. We need to pull out the sword on a daily basis. Not in a vindictive way or a malicious way, or, but in a way to glorify God and to defend yourself from the onslaughts of Satan. But remember, and I've said all this to come to the, that last piece, the shield of faith. Of all those pieces, the Holy Spirit says, above all, the shield of faith. So, Jesus said to Peter, I've prayed for you, what? By intercession, that your faith fail not. When you are amidst trials, when you're especially temptations of the devil, you need faith. And it is the Holy Spirit that quenches the fiery darts of the devil. So think about it and uh, see this next week. If I don't be here next week, I don't think. But anyway, so you just test yourself. Uh, how many times have I this week thought about some part of the armor that I was able to use and really succeeded in seeing it work? And I have seen that here recently. This, I'm talking about this because uh, in the last several months I've been thinking about this shield of faith and the things that, that I face. And it has worked. It really works. And so all these things are there for us. But here, also remember, too, that Jesus makes intercession for you right now. That's why you're saved to the uttermost. Uh, Hebrews 7, 24 and 25. But this man, it is Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God. He continues ever, having an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is also able to save them to the uttermost. That come unto God by him. I used to think... Uttermost, what is uttermost? And I would think, well, it must be like infinity. And I got thinking, no. You just keep thinking infinity and tacking on another infinity, and you do that infinitely. (laughs) It's forever. The uttermost salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And that salvation is effectual. Why? Because he ever liveth to make intercession for you. And also the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you as we read in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I would say most of us would agree that sometimes situations get so tough, 
you just don't know how to pray. Like that lady that had that daughter that was uh, very ill. And Jesus, uh, she's a Syrophoenician. She was not a Jew. Jesus said, but you are a Gentile. And she was denied two or three times. And her final response was, and she fell to her face and said, Lord, help me. Sometimes you don't know even how to pray. All you know to say is, Lord, help me. And the Holy Spirit interprets that prayer for you and answers it according to your need. He makes intercession. Christ makes intercession. You cannot fail in this salvation that God has given us. It's a work of Almighty God. Thirdly, I want us to note in verse 32, faith is God's Faith in God's word is the only way to overcome then the attacks of the devil. Faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So being here, hearing the word of God is going to help strengthen your faith by God's grace. So Satan goes about then seeking whom he may devour. And you need faith. May God give you that grace and fulfill all your need. Jesus said to Peter, I have prayed for thee. Jesus prays for each one of you. He's your intercessor. He's your mediator. He knows all the things that you're going through. And you may think back, you may think something you prayed for and you prayed for, and finally you got an answer. You got the answer because Christ is your mediator. You go through Jesus Christ. That's why you say in Jesus' name. And uh, he answers. These things really work that we're talking about. They're realities. And it really happens that you are going to be tested. You are going to have very great temptations. And you need to know how to handle it. And so may God give us grace to hear these things that we're hearing. Remember, it is through the work of Christ as our mediator. Now, although Peter's sin was very egregious, it was, un, it was forgivable. And that's a great comfort. Some people, they think, oh, and this is a, a tool of Satan to make people feel like, oh, you sinned so greatly and you're not worthy. Who do you think you are coming before the throne of grace? It's the sin and it's the trouble that you have that qualifies you to be heard of God. And so can you imagine what a horrible thing it would have been for you to have done this? To have denied Jesus in public, and it, it was public. He, there were two or three or more witnesses. And he did it not once or twice, he did it three times. It goes to show how merciful God is through Christ. And so Christ, as our intercessor, gave Peter the grace of faith. You look, remember this, faith is a grace, it's a gift. And it's given to us through Christ. Peter here says, I have prayed for thee that your faith fail not. He gave Peter faith. Through prayer, he prayed for him. God gave him that grace of faith. So also, Christ gave him repentance. He had a great, he committed a great sin, Peter did. But it also required true repentance. Even though he was a believer, there's some people that have a loose idea about sin. You know, 
you know, I can sin and I can't lose my salvation. And so they go headlong presumptuously into sin. And they don't realize that if they're going to sin like David, if they're going to sin like Peter, they better repent like Peter. They better repent like David. Because if they don't, they still have a heart that is not right with God. Now, I noticed there was uh, this note that there was a, a rooster here involved, or crows three times, till you have heard the cock crow th- thrice. When I was uh, <clears throat> traveling in Eastern Europe, I saw some of the Reformed churches. They had a rooster up on top of the steeple. How many of you have been in Europe and have seen that? They still do that to this day. Of course, the obvious answer to why they do that is remember Peter. Don't deny God. And if you do, repent like Peter. In fact, one of our churches uh, from our denomination, the RCUS, it used to be called the German Reformed Church. And so a lot of these, our churches were initially started by German immigrants in my heritage is from that land. But we have a church in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. And one of the, that church had a, they had an older building, then they built a new building. And they didn't know what to do. They had a rooster up on the top of the steeple. And rather than put it on the top, they thought it'd be good to, you know, they had a little graveyard out there and they made a little tombstone with a rooster on top of it. And it's there to this day. There was a reason why they did that, and that was to remind them, when you come to the worst, to worship God. Remember that you, you, you don't want to do like Peter did. You do, not, you do not want to sin against the Lord. And if you do, uh, the mercy that God reserved for Peter, God reserves for us as well. And so then let us note, fourthly in verse 32, that the usefulness of Peter's sinful fall was God took something very bad and made something very good out of it. That's the way God does. Remember, same thing happened with Jacob and uh, Jacob's sons and that whole thing about Joseph being put out of the family. And then they reconciled and they were all weeping. And, and Joseph said, it's okay, it's okay. You meant for evil, but God did something good. Brought you up out of the land of Canaan and where there was no food and Brought you here so that you could survive. And same thing here. The good that came out of Peter's sin, we see in verse 32, is that he was to strengthen the brethren. You know, when you really do something that really concerns your heart and you feel very cast down about, someone else comes alongside you and you say, no, I I know what you're going through. I've been through that. And so Peter's... Men in scripture for that very reason, too, to comfort those who do sin, to show how merciful the Lord is. Because Jesus said to Peter, you're going, you're going to deny me, but it's going to be turned to good because when you are converted, that is when you repent of it, strengthen the brethren. And so how we thank God that he is so very merciful. We note then, dear Christian, this morning, that may the words of the Apostle Peter, who was warned about Satan's 
temptation coming upon him. Let us take heed to what he has said, and I mentioned this before, that our adversary of the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. As I close, I would like for us to, by way of application, learn these following things. First, we must not put any confidence in ourselves when dealing with our adversary, the devil. Do not put any confidence. Peter said, I will, I will go with you. I will be in prison with you, Lord. I, I will even die for you. And he was, Peter was just being over self-confident. He should have not trusted in himself because he failed. In trusting in himself. What we need to learn from this is that we must not put any confidence in our own abilities. God being my helper is what we should say, I will do this or that. If God wills, I will do this or that. And so in dealing with the adversary of the devil, we must apply to the means that God has appointed for us. In 1 Corinthians 10 12 through 13, the Apostle Paul says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. We're warned about being presumptuous, about being able to withstand things that are more powerful than we. There hath no temptation, and this is your comfort. No matter. I would reckon, there's some verses, and I've been mentioned other verses and things to memorize. I just have another one for you. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, verses 12 and 13. And if you find yourself in a temptation, one of the things that Satan uses is that, you know, nobody else has been tempted like this. You're, you're a real unique case, and uh, there's probably no forgiveness for this. I know I've, went, I've gone through that. And the verse that really lifted me up out of all of that, took me out of the slew of despond, was when Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. Don't think you're the only one that has ever gone down that road. These temptations that we are tempted with are common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but he will with the temptation also make a way of escape. And also along with this self-confidence thing, uh, we oftentimes think we're going to make an escape. We don't try to outsmart the devil. Don't try to uh, work out your own strategy. Out again. Find an example in Scripture and how the person worked their way through this. The book of Job would be very excellent if you're in some really deep trouble, temptation with Satan. You will find your answers in Scripture. And may God give us that grace to always trust his word and his word alone. But secondly, in dealing with the devil and with temptation, remember this, we must put on the whole armor of God. Like I said, there was a section that I could have put in here and gone and expanded on that, but uh, maybe that'll be it for a different time. So put on the whole armor of God. This is how you withstand in the evil day. The evil day is a day of temptation. Let us now hear then what the Apostle Paul, who was constantly assaulted, afflicted, and buffeted by the devil, what he said. 
And I'll give you these verses, and these are the verses that would be great for you to memorize. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we name six pieces, but there's really a seventh component, and that is prayer. So Paul says in verse 18, Ephesians 6, putting this all on, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Don't just pray for yourself. Pray for others. We are all dealing with things, and let's face it together. Thirdly, in regards to this matter of overcoming temptation. Thirdly, although you can be certain that Satan desires to have you to sift you as wheat, you may also be equally certain that Christ is your intercessor and is now and during the time of your temptation, is praying for you. And then lastly, or actually fourthly, Peter then uh, overcame his temptation and is delivered through the word of God. We want to emphasize the need of the word of God and of trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, trusting in the word and the blood. And we see this in Revelation 12, Verses 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren, the devil, is cast down. This is in the book of the Revelation. The day will come when that will be a fact. But he is cast down when the Lord deals with him and puts him out of commission from tempting us which accuses the the elect before our God day and night. And notice, how did they overcome? This title of the message is Overcome. We want to be overcomers. We want to be winners. And notice how the saints in time past overcame. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, that is, their trust in the word of God. And they loved not their lives until death. Lastly, I want us to note here, Peter's sin was great. And it says, I said, not beyond forgiveness. And we can be assured that our sins are forgivable as well. Matthew twelve thirty one. Jesus says, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. So if you have a thought about a sin being so great, it can't be forgiven. Jesus tells us just the opposite. All manner of sin and blasphemy. It was blasphemous for Peter to do what he did, for what he said. 
all manner of blasphemy, all manner of sin shall be forgiven. But he does say that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost uh, shall not be forgiven. Don't worry about it. You didn't commit the sin against the Holy Ghost. The people that commit the sin against the Holy Ghost, they don't care. They don't care if they committed it. So if you're concerned about your soul, you haven't done it. Satan will use it. Make you think you committed the unpardonable sin. And so this great hope of the gospel of salvation is to all who have sinned. We are all sinners. We need a Savior. You want to hear God's invitation through Christ to you as believers, as unbelievers, to come to him. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. The glorious gospel is being preached now and will be until the Lord comes. And thus Paul says, now, in these last days, is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It is not something to be put off. If we know about salvation and we're not in Christ, today, this day, is the day of salvation. August 20th, 2023. This is the day of salvation. We know that the Lord does save for all who come to him because Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so to all who would be overcomers and overcome your temptations. Remember these words of Jesus in the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Beloved, fear none of these things that come upon you in these temptations of the evil one. Fear none of those things which you suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. That you may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. That is for a very long time. Be thou faithful unto death. And Jesus said, I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. Amen. Let us pray. This has been a presentation of Redeemer Presbyterian Church. For more resources and information, please stop by our website at visitredeemer.org. All material here within, unless otherwise noted, copyright Redeemer Presbyterian Church, Elk Grove, California. Music furnished by Nathan Clark George, available at nathanclarkgeorge.com.